Welcome to the Dick and Ham Show. The Dick and Ham Show this week is brought to you by Snake Gun for iPhone and Android and by Four Seasons Landscaping. Come on down and get your fertilizer gardening supplies and or just watch a bunch of clowns try to uh, subvert a democracy or do both at Four Seasons Landscaping at one inconvenient location next to, uh, what's it next to? Next to a morgue and a Dildopolis uh, dildo shop. <laughs> What a shit show. What an absolute coronation of the shittiest of shit shows to have good old Rudy, Rudy Giuliani at a fertilizer shop. What in God's name was going on? Should we just start there? Should we? American politics. It's actually my favorite thing that's happened in a long time. <laughs> it just, it just, as someone who's worked a lot in, in corporate communications, I still can't fathom I can sort of see the chain of command and how it happened. Like there's obviously like a sort of a cultish devotion to the leader of, of that party. And if he gets something wrong, no one wants to say, Hey, that's not the right place. <laughs> and they just do it. But how did nobody think of how comical it would look and how, how ridiculed they would be for doing it this way? I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense for you. You would think that as a major political organization, you care about appearances, you care about being ridiculed, but that was, that was that. What were the? Con- I actually don't even know the contents of the press conference. I assume it was just a defiant, the beginning of the "this isn't over, we're not conceding" thing. Does did, did anybody listen to what he actually said at the at the fertilizer shop? He's spewing more of the same. This is a the election's been stolen. Widespread voter fraud. Count the balance somewhere, but don't count them elsewhere. Um, nonsense that has been. Uh, coming forward since since the election. I mean, it, to your point, Dave, it, it, it and how you couldn't just pull that, no, no matter even if it, it was a mistake, just cancel the press conference and say it's not going ahead anywhere. Don't possibly have that press conference there. It's just incredible. Well, I think Rudy, Rudy was the man to pull it off, though, because he, he seems to have a pretty pretty loose grip on reality these days and his uh, his sort of social antenna are probably not so finely tuned that he would he would understand how uh, how idiotic that was going to come across i actually just love how like they just continued to double down and then triple down on it afterwards like you know even you know obviously when, when it happened you know it was obviously fairly shambolic and i believe you know a little you know footnote of history is that they actually found out that the election was called by many news outlets um, for Biden during that press conference. I believe someone told Rudy live during the press conference, which is <laughs> fucking amazing. But but like what what blows my mind is that like they then have just continued to just, you know, kind of go on as if this was always the plan and be like, oh yes, you know, like uh, four things of total landscape. It's a wonderful American, you know, you know, tried and true, like blue collar, you know, real American, hard working Place to be, like as if they if they always plan it this way. It is the funniest fucking thing imaginable. It is so perfect. It is so perfect. Trying to own it, I love trying to own it. It's like a good strategy for, I guess, several things in life. But sometimes you you can't. It's it's too it's too absurd and too amateurish and 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 just idiotic. To tell you something later in the podcast. The only thing that was more shambolic and unbelievable in a press conference was the Collingwood list manager posting trade <laughs> period. Uh, yeah, on, uh, poor old uh, Ned. There is a 
there's a definite correlation between the two. It's been a bad week for for, for a couple of PR people, that's for sure. So, but maybe let's pause that until a little bit later because wow. We've got to we've got we've got to dig into that, but um, you know, for like back, back onto the onto the Trump and Giuliani and total landscaping thing, like for for months and and probably years, I've kind of been saying that you know if if I could just fast forward to the end and just know that it all worked out okay and that Trump was gone and the Republicans weren't in and you know like and we all kind of survived, subject to the hundreds of thousands of people who've died from coronavirus in the U.S. But like I could like if if I if I knew that it all worked out okay, I could find I could find it funny. And like this was the first moment I could find it funny, and fucking hell, it was funny. Like I've laughed for days about Four Seasons Total Landscaping. It is just, it is the best thing. It is the best. It's made my week. Well, is there a point that this is, you know, some some scholars and and critics? I mean, there is no shortage of critics. But one one critic I've been listening to for a long time is a woman called Sarah Kinsey, or she wrote a book called The View from Flyover Country. And she's been very prescient and accurate in a lot of the, uh, she's someone who's studied, you know, autocracies and all that. And she went very early and was sort of considered hysterical, but a lot of the things she predicted came true. Her claim is that these sort of incompetent acts are a sort of a, a bit of a smokescreen. Her claim is that, that everything's quite deliberate with this, this group. And what they're really doing is they're covering up. She says they cover up crime with scandal and they cover up malice with incompetence as a sort of a diversion. Do we buy into that or was this just incompetence by itself? I think there's clearly some um, criminal and malicious behaviour, which is also accompanied by sheer incompetence. I don't, no one thinks that Trump is a genius, but there's just a level of, of rat cunning that, that's clearly, uh, clearly there. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the commentary, and, and clearly this comes from, from the, the anti-Trump he never wanted to win the, the election in the first place. It was all a platform to set up his new uh, uh, right-wing media company. And then, but he did sort of get addicted to the power that came with the presidency, which many, many wanted, to, wanted to keep. You know, he could see it furthering his, um, his personal interests. I think the, the sort of incompetence, a lot of it could be, that he just didn't care about the machinations of government and more just about the, the power and how he could use that to uh, uh, increase his own power and increase his own wealth. Yeah. And, and look, you know, you, you, you mentioned it just there at the end, you know, you, people like this can only kind of survive by being enabled by people either ignoring things or, or, you know, who are able to actually implement kind of what they're saying. So, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting, Dave, like I, 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 I'd probably trust your, journalist kind of more than my kind of views on it but you know I, I think that whilst you know certainly i am incredibly relieved and i think many people are relieved that certainly appears subject to some weird you know machinations in 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 in, in the courts um that, that that he will be out like you know it, it has almost been certainly as i understand it from the authoritarian playbook of just how to you know so distrust in the media so they'll so, so people won't believe, you know, what what they're reporting, so they can just continue to kind of play their trade and 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 implement what they what they want to implement. Um, you know, like whilst I think that Trump's a fucking lazy buffoon and a con man, like there's actually been quite a lot of strategy really behind what they've done over the last four years. But um, but we'll always have four seasons total landscaping. We will, and they sell t-shirts now. If you if you really want to commemorate it, you can buy merch. They they jumped on that really early, which I guess is no surprise. 
Yeah, it, well, like I think I think there's one. I think Andrew might have found it, but it's got like gritty riding a fucking ride on mower or something. He's saying <laughs> Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Gritty is Gritty the only modern ma- mascot launch to have succeeded? Like they they really invested heavily, and it was a risky move to to launch this uh, this guy. And everyone seems to love him. Usually, when you try that hard to make people love something, it doesn't work. But gr- Gritty, everyone loves Gritty. I, I I think it's I don't know. Like I think people enjoy Gritty because it's so just awfully bad like i don't think people kind of see it and be like oh wow i love that mascot they're like well that is freaking mental and crazy and frightening and it's just the butt of so many jokes that now it's kind of beloved i think i think i think that's 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 kind of my view he's got a lot of capital city goofball about him pretty if you remember back to the early Mm. early simpsons days he's got a lot of goofball but one question about american politics like people in norway are absolutely obsessed with it like the the level of coverage is you know, disproportionate in the, in the extreme. Is it, is it abnormal the extent to which we all care about American politics or is the fact that America holds the position that it does both militarily and economically, is it just sensible for everybody to have a huge outsized interest in American politics? What do you guys think? It's not, I think it's not, not unusual only in so far as it has such a key role in setting the political as international politics goes, I mean, there hasn't been a a, a national war um, since the Second World War that hasn't involved the US. International conflict in that period is, is determined for US foreign policy. Yeah, well, certainly drama is, uh, is, is central to it. And I would guess this administration has embraced that and actually kind of used it to their, uh, you know, advantage um, more so than any other. Most other people don't court drama in the way that these guys do. The, the other thing I think that becomes interesting, the route that the incumbent president is taking through the courts hasn't seemed to be very successful so far. There's been a number of humorous legal smackdowns issued. <laughs> uh, he, he's, he, he's taken what I, what I would call the top legal strategy of real I mean we talked about incompetence earlier I mean this is this is I mean this is Deacon law degree stuff uh, (laughs) from from the uh, Trump legal team (laughs) and the it's you've seen in some of the responses from the initial um, the initial cases first of all the lawyers who are presenting the arguments are embarrassed about them you can tell just from the from the, uh, the the court transcripts, and secondly, you have Republican appointed judges who are just going, oh, "There's nothing I can fucking do with this." There's actually not a, a the legal principle of this smells bad is not something that can uh, can can make its way through a, a court of law, and it's actually it's quite. I've made a point of reading some of these um, uh, some of these transcripts, and it's um, I, I just cringe because I we have have friends at the bar who had to make uh, arguments that, that corporate clients have asked them to make. And you just know that the judge is going to tell you, you're just going to look at you with disdain and say, you're just a fucking idiot. And, uh, and that's what's happened. Well, the only one I read was, uh, was basically someone trying to argue the case that there were no Republican observers of the vote. And then there was just clear cut evidence that there was multiple, multiple Republican observers there. And the judge said, so what you what we're learning here is that there was a non-zero number of people observing the count. Is that correct? And the guy's like, yes, the number was non-zero. Yeah. Uh, so the guy's yeah. argument just, just was completely 100% yes. invalidated 
in the first two minutes. The one for lawyers was the uh, was the hearsay where a guy where, where the Trump lawyer was trying to argue that someone overhearing someone else saying something about a third person was not hearsay. Go, no, no, that's a factual statement that the person heard and is conveying that, that factual statement. Go, so hearsay of hearsay. Um, it was just, which for, for the legal hearsay is inadmissible other than in certain exceptional circumstances, like if someone's dying and is, can no longer make that statement to the court themselves. So, so, so Boots, like, so, silly question, but like, who are these lawyers who are representing Trump and the Republican Party now? Are these lawyers who work for a firm and the Republican Party have kind of turned up or, or whoever? Like, yeah. you know, the, it, it, or the... this, this is where all this, where all this money, well, sorry, not all of it, because if you, so Trump is raising a lot of money for this quote unquote legal defense fund. Yeah. Um, one part I'm sure that, it's all just for that. Well, the fine print in the email say, actually, and we could also use some of this money just to retire debt of the campaign, which yeah. in itself is hilarious. But the second point is it's being used to pay these lawyers to run these cases. And there'll be, there, these will be lawyers that are retained by the Republican Party in those states to act for them, you know, across the board, both, you know, federal elections, state elections, town dog catcher elections, because that's such a, a, a big thing in the US. There are these uh, electoral specific law firms and, and lawyers who, who will uh, mm. uh, try and argue these cases. Mm. Now, they're all embarrassed about this, but it is what it is. It's been wonderful to see um, just how kind of the world and so many people in, in the US, not all of them, obviously, but even people within the Republican Party and other just foreign leaders have just kind of like, they're kind of just, it feels like people are just kind of ignoring like all of this to a certain degree. Like they're kind of going, yeah, like we know Biden's won. We know he's going to continue to win. Like this, you know, this giant crybaby is just going to continue doing what he's doing, but we all know it's going to know, it's going to go nowhere. So we'll just move on with life. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Is that kind of how you guys are feeling it as well? I see it as a, as a, like a repudiation of, of all the things that this administration has stood for, which I think is great. That restores like whichever side of politics you lean towards. I think the, the principles displayed by this and the character, moral character displayed by this administration represent the worst of humanity. And I think the repudiation of that is, is, you know, restores your faith to an extent. And you could see it. Like you, 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 <laughs> That's probably actually my, my downside to this is 71 million votes for Trump is not a repudiation of what happened. I know, that's, you could argue that it should have been stronger. more people than voted for Obama. That's more people than voted for Obama the first time. Now, yeah, think yeah. about that. That's not a repudiation. That, that is 70 million people who either through, because they're freaking right-wing Christian nuts who go, I actually don't care about all the other stuff he does other than putting three um, right-wing judges on the Supreme Court. It's the uneducated white males who like to think that their own circumstances are not their fault and he's uh, telling them it's not their fault, it's everyone else's fault. And then whatever, whatever the rest of the base is, that just Republicans who can't bring themselves to vote Democrat and have gone into a, uh, a, this weird um, you know, culture of personality. But to me, that was the actual the sad thing. And the way that yeah. the House vote has gone and the way the Senate vote has gone is it's not a repudiation because... The people who enabled Trump, to Hughes' point earlier, they're the ones who should be paying electoral price for this. The Mitch McConnells, the Lindsey Grahams of the world. I actually have this weird respect for Mitt Romney, who I don't agree, obviously, with a lot of things he has, but he actually thinks that Trump is bad for American politics and the Republican Party. And, and mm, just yeah, yeah. the fact that he was not repudiated is, is 
embarrassing. Yeah, well, at least he was removed. I mean, that you've got to take whatever wins are in front of you. And the fact that he didn't win is, is clearly a better result than had he gotten over the line. Um, and I guess I'm probably disproportionately influenced. You know, we all live in our own little echo chambers. So I see my own little universe of people, the kind of coastal elites who are celebrating and dancing in the streets and all the rest of it. But yeah, fair point. 71 million people voted for this. So that tells you the, the scale of the challenge if you are going to try to fix a, a, a fractured country. My, my question to you guys, um, I, I'm not so nervous about frivolous lawsuits and things that go nowhere and get thrown out instantly because they're dumb. I'm a little worried about the and i'm not really worried about the 20th of january when you know someone shows up to the house and they're just gonna suddenly you know move this guy out however they need to i'm worried about the period between now and then it's quite a long period of time to do stuff so if you're someone who's got a bucket list like i want to go skydiving i want to see you know niagara falls what's on trump's bucket list that he could get done within this next 60 days. And I don't like to think about the types of things that are on that list and what might be achievable. Is there, is there, is there no safeguard to stop this situation? Can't you just lame duckify somebody so they can't kind of hate legislate? Well, what they still have is the House and they've got enough senators who will stop crazy stuff. They won't stop Republican agenda stuff, um, but they will stop you know, lunacy. I think the, the issues... Will they? ..and the problems that we're seeing is that he can fire... ..he can fire administration officials, as he did with the National um, Defence Secretary, um, and just put in his cronies. Now, they can get removed in two months, but, um, you know, things they can do on an administrative level um, will, will, be, will be problematic. I think some of the craziest stuff he would have already done if he could have, if he could have done it, like there's not, it's not like, not like electoral concerns have stopped him from doing things at this point. Um, so I'm more worried about firing people, appointing people into administrative posts, and also the list of people who get pardoned are going to make people feel pretty sick. Mm. So what what happens next? So let's let's be optimistic about a transition of power and say. 21st of January, you've got good old Uncle Joe and uh, Kamala running things. What what happens next with Trump? Does he vanish from sight? Does he leave the country? Does he face prosecution? Or does he try to sort of style himself as a president in exile who never actually lost um, while he considers a run for him or a run for his daughter in 2024? What do you think is the most likely? Uh, I, I think the most likely outcome is the that he... Um, sets up this rival to Fox News, uses his disputes with Fox News over the announcement of this election to, to drive it, and you get the even further right lunatic version of that news network, which is actually probably good to fracture yeah, the, that Fox influence. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would be... Um, I, I think Fox are worried about it. I think um, he doesn't understand that without kind of the... The, the right-leaning people, not the total whack jobs who actually do watch Fox and get caught in that echo chamber, then that's uh, uh, going to have a lot less influence and a lot less money than he thought it would. Yeah, I think, I mean, interestingly enough, Rupert Murdoch abandoned him. That's one thing that happened, which hasn't been spoken about that much, but that happening is, and Fox basically changing their tune on him, you know, finally, was significant. And I think if he wanted to be a self-styled network running guy and he went head to head against Fox News, I think that's 
that's not as easy as it sounds. Like those those guys, you know, News Limited are pretty good at what they do. So I think going head to head against them is maybe not as easy as you might think it is. But interesting that the, the sort of splintering of this audience has happened on social media. So credit should go to Facebook and Twitter for the way they conducted themselves this time compared to the last election. They were very effective at squashing um, things that they had failed to squash previously. But what's happened though, they've, they've also banned a lot of people and they've obviously sort of discouraged other people by their views not being as prevalent on that platform. So there's now a new uh, sort of right-wing lunatic social network that sprung up called Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. And everyone who was sort of spreading this stuff uh, and, and congregating on Facebook and Twitter are now just going there, but it's growing uh, at a sort of a disturbingly fast rate. So um, interesting to see that once those platforms stood up and did the right thing, these guys built their own platform and now that's where they seem to be wanting to live. I'd be hopeful though, and to Bruce's point before, that whatever Trump's fucking network or whatever it is, you know, may actually, there may be a silver lining to that because it could wind up um, kind of splitting the fox kind of, you know, viewership in, in a way, like if, if all the nut jobs are going off to parlor or something like that, like that's obviously that's not good and it's not good that it's growing, but you know, there's potentially, you know, some benefit there because the highly impressionable kind of person who's not necessarily a whack job, but just is, is living in a Facebook newsfeed echo chamber and therefore influenced by that, like maybe they're then escaping some of this nonsense. Like that's, that's kind of the only the only silver lining I could kind of take from that. But I mean, like to, to, to your original question, Dave, I mean, Trump ain't going anywhere, unfortunately. I would, there's nothing I would love more than for him and his fucking family to get roundly booed whenever they turn up in public, like by, by everyone at all times. I, I, I'm not, I, I think that'll happen to some degree, but you know, he will surround himself by people who continue to tell him that he's telling he's the best, his fucking family will survive. They'll come out of this and they will have huge publicity and there'll be, you know, certain acolytes that continue to follow them, unfortunately. But thankfully, you know, he can still do a massive amount of damage, but he's not going to be in a position of such power to actually wield that, um, you know, so, so directly, thankfully. I, I favour the self-styled president in exile approach. I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to sit in his... Oh, his narcissistic tendencies. He's going like, to sit in his golf club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he'll be he'll be playing playing that up for forevermore. But yeah, I mean, like I I just I can't imagine that he's going to be happy just doing that. He he will he he's he's a pretty vindictive sort of a guy. I think yeah, like you know, trying to trying to get back at Fox or whatever the fuck like is is probably something what something he'd do. But but he's he's going to wear that Dave like a badge. Yeah, well, I mean, he also he needs money. So so one way or another, he has to come up with a way of making money because there's some pretty big debts coming in over the next four years that need paying. One of the last, uh, uh, the last point I probably want to make on that is I actually think the most fascinating thing would be what, what happens in four years or three years when the Republican Party has to nominate a, uh, uh, someone for the presidency if he wants to run. Please, no. I just, I, I'm done with this. Please, no. I know, <laughs> I know it's a real possibility, but, oh, God. But it's, it's, just, it's basically whether there can be, whether there is a, a more traditional party that can come out of this, but I, I worry that it's not because I think the base now mm. is so far to the right that you probably can't get a, you know, a, a, a McCain, you know, who now looks like a freaking dream by comparison to other Republican possibilities. And I just don't think that person can be the nominee anymore, which is, which is uh, you know, terrible. 
Yeah, it's like, can you wrest control of that party back towards where it used to be? Probably not. And then, so how could you get a different type of candidate? Uh, which he'd probably put his daughter up is what I would guess would happen on that. You, one thing that's weird to me, like I know he'll never concede defeat and all the rest of it. I find it weird how if you're president, you get to be called president for the rest of your life, even after you're finished in the office. Like I know respect is, is respect and all the rest of it, but don't you reckon it'd be weird if you were referring to Malcolm Turnbull as prime minister, Malcolm Turnbull still, cause he's not in that job anymore, but he'll be referred to as president Trump his whole life. And I find that odd. I've always found that odd. I reckon if I saw Steve War, I'd still call him captain of the Australian cricket team. I reckon I would. <laughs> It, it, it's got. I mean, it's got. It's got an origin of goods in the, in the colonial nature, but that's. It, and the fact that we don't vote for a prime minister, we vote for a party, and the leader of that party is the prime minister. Whereas you actually vote for an individual um, you know, on a presidential election. I think that has a lot to uh, to do with it. Agree. So anyway, huge, 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 earth-shattering week in politics last week. Also, a big week in COVID. Um, in mm. that, firstly, you guys have been out of lockdown for two weeks. Bad news for a lot of countries around the world. Moderately bad news for the country I'm in. We're heading, we're in a social lockdown and then that may end up getting more severe. So what does that mean, Dave? Uh, it's, it's basically most things locked down, but they're trying to keep schools and kindergartens and things like that open for as long as humanly possible. Retail? Uh, no, retail is still in. So retail's right. a controlled version of retail. Restaurants are basically closed because they've shut down alcohol serving. So... If, you, if you're any type of sort of fine dining establishment, people don't want to have, you know, orange juice and cordial with their, with their filet mignon, so you're, you're closing your place. And also there's huge restrictions on, on just the number of people you can have in the, you know, in the dining room. So most restaurants closed. Retail still going, just schools and kindergartens still going, everything else, everything else closed. Mandatory masks? Uh, yeah, mandatory mask, finally. Yeah, finally, which they should have been tougher on that all along. But how's it, how's it feel for you guys? I mean, it's gone from being the worst thing ever to being like, wow, this worked out well. Thank God <laughs> it was worth it. How's it feel? Boots? Um, You're at the beach house. I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm at the beach house, which is very nice to be d- uh, down here again and um, being able to go 25 k's from further than 25 cash from my house and further than five cash from my house. Look, I'm, I'm probably someone who thinks they, there was a, an element of this that was, they went too far and you, you can't, you can't disprove a negative, right? You can't disprove that if the restrictions were a little bit less severe, would we still have had the success we had? Mm. You, you can't disprove it, but, but you know, I, I I think that we did go too far when we got, we got a lot of businesses that are going to not recover from the level of these, um, uh, level of these restrictions. And I, I don't want to get too political on this because we have friends who, who are happy to do that. Um, but I, I do think that there's basically been a concession made by the, the Premier that he was going to, and his party was going to wear the blame for this because of the hotel quarantine he said well so it doesn't really matter how much i um sort of turn the screws on this i'm i'm gonna get that blame or get that support it's kind of baked in and then it, so it just matters that there's not a third wave and so i'm going to do whatever it is that means that there is no third wave um and that's you know it look again hard to argue with the negative 14 days zero cases um south australia border is going to open up on december 1 um, Tasmanian borders are opening up on the 23rd, as is New South Wales border. 
Queensland talking about opening before Christmas. So, you know, back to some semblance of normality of traveling within the country. Great news for people like that weird farmers union iced coffee in South Australia that no one else seems to like. <laughs> and Balfour's pies. Yeah. Are they square? Are they the wrong shape? I think they're square, aren't they? Yeah, maybe. And, and like, the, are they the ones that have the, um, fuck, what was that brand of footy that they had over there? That, oh that yeah. The, 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 the oh, Ross yeah. Faulkner. Was it yeah, the Faulkner? It was round. Yeah. I remember it was very round. No, it was, yeah. I, I thought it was something. I thought it was something else. Because like, we had Ross Faulkner's and Sharon's in Victoria. Yeah, it was, was it Bur- Burnley or Burnley? Burnley? Yes, there was one called Burnley. 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 That's right. Yeah, it was like kicking a soccer ball. It was lame. Wrong shape. Yeah. Look for for, for me. Look, I, I think I, I think I think Burtz is right. I mean, like we've Jesus Christ, we've been in fucking lockdown for a really long time and 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 you're right like if if it had been half as much for half as long who knows maybe would would be in in the same position you know i i still just remain uneasy about the 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 prospect of it of it kind of coming back again and people freaking out like i think in in reality it's going to hang around for quite some time until there's a vaccine or whatever um and even then that's that's going to take quite some time so like you know i just i just hope that kind of collectively as certainly a country, like, you know, we're lucky that we're an island and we're a long way from everywhere else, um, that as a, as a country, we kind of collectively with all the states and the borders get okay with the fact that it is going to be around. And as long as there is, you know, reasonable enough kind of contact tracing, so unknown cases can be knocked on the head, we're going to need to live with it. And we're going to need to live with some level of kind of, I don't know, trace, tracing and tracking of kind of where you go and people continue to be responsible that if there's any chance that they might have been exposed that they continue to get tested. But, you know, like it's been, it's certainly good to, to, to be out of lockdown. Tell you the truth. I'm not doing that much. That's that different. You know, I'm I'm not exactly going out for luxurious dinners or anything like that. I'm heading out on Tuesday night with some of the guys, which would be good. Um, And I went out for lunch with Michelle the other day and was actually a bit shocked that it cost me 40 bucks for lunch. And I was, hmm used to making my ham sandwich or something so but look it's it it's good it is good but you know i look at europe and particularly the us and stuff and just like ugh, I, I don't really know what to think anymore it's it's all very it's all very bad well at that level of cases in the us i mean you would have said that they're never going to get rid of it but for the fact that there's good news from the pfizer biotech i don't think it's called biotech the german company that pfizer made their vaccine candidate with I've read a fair bit about it. What everything I read is good. Like everything I read is positive. It was a it was a very late stage clinical test. It was a large number of people. People were willing to accept a, a vaccine. Like governments are willing to accept vaccines with far less uh, effectiveness than this one. So they can scale it to twenty million doses this year and one point five billion next year. So that says to me that mid next year you're probably going to see a, a world in which you've got a vaccine that's starting to become very much. Um, you know, part of, of how you live and how you, you know, protect yourself from this thing. I guess the thing that they just will, will not know is how long does it last? Like it, it, it does work for nine out of 10 people, but does that mean for a month? Does that mean forever? Does, you know, no one knows that yet. And, and that's kind of the, the million dollar question now. And, you know, I, I know, I know nothing about kind of, you know, vaccines and how they work really, but are there any kind of like long-term side effects that need to be worked through or, Anything before this is given to humans or? Well, it's been human trials. There's 44,000 humans have trialed it. That was the clinical yeah, trial. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, no, sorry. Like, I, I mean, like, you know, is, is, that, 
is it going to turn out that, you know, for all of those people who have had the vaccine, it turns out in nine months time, they all turn into flesh eating zombies or something like, you know, is there like, I, I presume there's no way we can necessarily know that. But like, I guess my question is when a vaccine like this is normally put together and it's not in a global pandemic where everyone in, around the world is, is just, you know, in a lather looking for this thing, how long have they normally tested for? Like, you know, is it like, and like at, at, at what point is it normally then rolled out for, for, for general consumption? My belief, unless you are Russia, who, who just, just wheel out any type of horse tranquilizer and Putin says it's good, the, the testing and trials of this are, are following the gold standard. The development of it is the thing that's been rushed as quickly as possible. So fast-tracking making it has, has absolutely happened, but fast-tracking testing it to the point where you're skipping important steps has not happened. And then the, the approval will obviously be fast-tracked as well. So that approval, I think, happens uh, end of this month. So to my knowledge, there haven't been any fast tracking or skip stepping when it comes to the clinical trials because it's i just don't think you can afford to do that again russia they they just made one and putin gave it to his daughter and said it's fine but everyone else is playing the, the by the normal rules i think you know and in fact a couple a couple of the vaccine trials have been slowed and and, and one was stopped when they found some side effects during the sort of stage two and stage three trials so yeah there, there certainly are examples of people doing this right way and i think I think you've got to have some level of comfort there because the, the, the mass way that this is going to be rolled out means that if you, you know, to, to, to get it wrong in terms of the long-term side effects or, or um, in short-term, um, you know, fatal or, or significant side effects would be just, I think, would, would be more risk than anyone's willing to bear in this uh, scenario. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's logistical things that there's a lot of things that need to be worked out. Like you need to store it at minus 70 degrees to transport it. That's it's two jabs. That's the other thing. So that is logistically annoying. And also you need to store it at minus 70, which makes it very like the last mile becomes very difficult getting it out to remote areas that have spotty electricity um, or long distances in trucks. I went last year, I went to, this is going to sound weird, but it's true. I went to Bill Gates's lab in seattle he's got a company called intellectual ventures which which starts you know all of his kind of moonshot ideas that he has and uh, it was a real privilege to go see it um and i certainly don't buy into any of the ridiculous bill gates started this you know all of that absolute nonsense but that was one of the main things they were working on in addition to malaria they're working on how can you create refrigeration without electricity that gets something really fucking cold and can last like 72 or last long enough so that these vaccines at that point, they didn't realise it would be for COVID, but just vaccines in general can make it out to these. Sure, Dave. Places. How convenient! He just <laughs> happened to be working on this. Come on, man. The facts are all there. Just do your research. Do your own That's, research. I know. I've scooped myself. I've, I've 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 let loose a key fact behind the conspiracy. Now it's you know it's provable. It's all provable now. That was the missing piece. Well, anyway, the the uh, Pfizer thing is is very good news. So let's uh, cross our fingers for the the next phase or the final phase of the the actual approval. Back to the Oslo lockdown. So, like, how many cases have you guys been having? Um, you know, on uh, a daily basis? In, in Oslo, it's it's up to about 150, 170, and it was down to about 12, you know, three, nine, and now it's up to about 150 a day, getting towards yeah, okay. 200 a day. Yeah, and, um, and how many how many un untraced or unknown? Uh, I'm actually not following that stat, so I don't oh, okay. know, I yeah. don't know the answer to that, but. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough because you're heading into winter. So you are going to spend a lot more time indoors. This is the worst time of year. Like when the snow comes, it's actually fun to be outside and you can ski and ride on your sled and all the rest of it. But 
this time of year, it's just like a colder version of Melbourne's winter and it goes for a while. So it's like the shittiest time of year to be outside. But so, yeah, we're just trying to just trying to keep away from each other. Mandatory masks now, which is which is good. So um, I will keep you updated on all the best, how, all, how it goes. Yeah, thanks. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll keep the um, keep the kinders open. Would be nice for me. That's that's one of the main things I care about. But uh, on the standard agenda, mailbag. No mailbag this week. But I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, a longtime fan of the show, Tommy Tommy Andre Anderson here in Oslo. He's uh, he's the legend of the local AFL scene. And I bumped into him. He's like, "Oh, I love the podcast." And so uh, I just want to say thanks, Tommy. It's good to. Thanks, Tommy. Good to see you the other week, and uh, I'm very uh, pleased that you love the show. Uh, look forward to playing. He's, he's, he's like Norway's kind of most enthusiastic Port Adelaide fan. He plays for the, he, he plays for the uh, Norwegian team in the champion. They have a Champions League in Amsterdam every year, and he's like the legend of that tournament every year. Is there much competition for Norway's most enthusiastic Port Adelaide fan, or is he just number one? No, I think there's two of them. <laughs> really? <laughs> and he's just more into it than the other guy. Yeah, pretty sure there's so, two of Someone them. else who loves Warren Treadray and Dominic Cassisi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, when you run a podcast as popular as this, you do bump into people all the time who say they love the show. But uh, it was it was nice that, that he was one of the ones who came up, one of the many who came up and said he was listening. So, yeah, hello uh, to Tommy Andre. Hey, 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 Tommy, enjoy, enjoy a Ratio Fantasia, by the way. You know, you'll, you, you'll look forward to becoming frustrated by him playing no more than five to six games a year. At least three of those. I was, was going to say, enjoy, enjoy those seven games a year. It's been a while since this, this group spoke about what we're watching. Uh, what do you guys got on your playlist at the moment? Uh, well, Dave, why don't you start? I can see one on your list that I literally just watched the first two episodes of um, just before. Oh, yeah, I've got a lot. But I also just have a... I have some muesli bar in my mouth now, so I have to somehow deal with that. Okay. So, so Moonbase Moon Base 8 is something I just started watching. And Boots, do, do you know about this show? No, I do not. Well, it's got uh, John C. Riley and Fred Armisen and another comedian oh, guy Tim, called... Tim Heidecker. Like, yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim Heidecker. And like they're... I don't know, like the, the conceit is they're like the NASA's going to like start having like some little cold colonies on the moon or something and they're like in some test some test colonies that are meant to, you know, be like they're on the moon, but they're in like fucking Nevada or something like that. Um, and interestingly, there's, there, there's another kind of pretend astronaut with them boots. Do you know who this is? No, I do not. Super Bowl champion and Kansas City starting tight end, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the show. Yeah, he's in it, which is odd. I, I, uh, I couldn't work out what that was Regular all about. Regular Yep. He's in the show. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the opening credits. Yep, yep, he's in wow. it. He's in it, which uh, yeah. is yeah. You can sort of tell straight away. Second, like second best tight end, in the, tight end in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's he's top billing in the in Moonbase. I, I think it's a fun show. I finished watching it. I think it, this the show is good. It's it, it's only six episodes. I think if you're a fan of any of those three comedians, then you're going to like, especially John C. Riley. I think you're going to like it. Like it's classic. Yeah, classic John C. Riley being a bit dumb and kind of heavily insecure and just, you know, Fred Armisen is quite funny. And the other guy, Tim Heidecker, who is like so fucking weird. He's playing very straight and look, the stakes are pretty low and there's not a lot that really goes on, but it's, it's pretty watchable. You're not going to laugh out loud at it, but it's fun. It's worth watching. Yeah. I, I, as I said, I literally 
like I was two minutes late what, to join this call because I was finishing up watching the second episode. And as I was thinking about it, I haven't obviously haven't gathered my thoughts, but I, I pretty much was going to say exactly that. Like, I think you, if, if you like those, those guys, you will like it. And particularly John C. Riley. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's, it seems like an easy watch. It'll probably be fairly funny throughout. Have you finished it, Dave? Or yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, so I, 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 if you like those guys, I would certainly recommend it. And if you like Travis Kelsey, check it out. Yeah, he's uh, he's in there. Which, which uh, service is, is it on in Australia? Uh, it's on Stan. Yeah, the other things quickly on my list, uh, a single episode of a thing on Netflix called Song Exploder, which is a journalist going in with some musicians, just talking for one episode about one song and how it came about. It's It's only a handful of episodes and most of them look to be a little bit niche but the episode I did watch and really enjoy was the the REM episode about I can't believe I've forgotten the name of the song there the iconic REM song um Everybody losing hurts. my religion lo- losing my religion and he just talks to the four guys in the band talks about how the song happened the, the guy gets out the mandolin and explains how that mandolin part happened and it's it doesn't do too much it's only 24 minutes but it's really fucking interesting. Like for a song like that, that you all know so well, but you would never really give it a thought. It's, it's like engaging mm, viewing. So yeah, I would absolutely yeah. recommend that. Yeah. I, I saw this pop up when it, when it was released and thought, Oh, that sound, that's my jam. Like I can't wait to check that out. And unfortunately I, I had a look and none of the songs really kind of, you know, did it for me. I like, I'll, I'll, I'll check this out on your recommendation, Dave. Um, you know, not least, like it, 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 at least just so then, you know, like if there's enough people watching it, they might do more seasons and there might be some songs that I like. But, but Yeah, the song choice is, is weak. That's the main problem. Which is weird, right? But, um, you know, like, like the, the, the concept, as I understand it, is like they're literally just kind of breaking down the song into, like, is it kind of how it's written or is it how it's recorded or like, is it all the different kind of layers that are, that, that are in there to... It's, it's, to, to, it's to pretty layman's term-ish. It's, it's made for people who are not musicians, so it doesn't get into heavy detail in production. It's more about how the idea of it came and how they constructed it and a little bit about the effect it had. But yeah, your point about the song choice is correct. Let's see if they do more. They'll probably have some more good songs in it. Boots on your um, your Danish uh, uh, political thriller uh, tip from Borgen. the other week. Yeah, on Borgen. There's one, I don't know if you'd be able to get it, but if you can, is worth watching a Swedish production called Califat. Uh, like Cali, like California, but with a K and then fat, like fat boy slim. Califat. And it's about... Uh, the radicalization of, of, young, of European kind of teenagers and 20-somethings going across to Syria and people trying to get them back. Um, and also the, the difference between what's sold to them here is this idea of fighting for this, you know, this cause versus what it's like when they get there. And uh, it's, it's gripping. It's really, really fucking good. I'm a bit Islamic fundamentalist out at the moment. I'm just, there's just been so much in that, uh, in that sphere over time that, you know, you're out. Okay. Well, if you ever get back in, it's really, really, it's, it's the best of that genre that I've seen so far. But what, what have you guys got that you've been uh, interested in in the last couple of weeks? Anything new? I've got a couple of things. So one that we picked up again, which we've watched series one or two, and now series three is Riviera. Um, it's on SBS in Australia. It's uh, the, the, the acting is awful. Um, but it's kind of just a campy, fun 
uh, run around the south of France and um, Italy and, and other places of this, of Julia Stiles um, acting as a, um, a, a world-renowned art uh, enthusiast, collector slash curator. It sounds um, like super in, catnip. It, it really is. The, There's it, a theme the, here, Bruce, the these recommendations. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> the, um, it's ones that we can watch together. Um, in that in that hour that we have um, post the child going down, um, and then the other two shows that we're watching, which I'm really enjoying, um, one is uh, Roadkill, which is the new Hugh Laurie um, BBC uh, political drum. Um, mm, I know that the, the name is. Uh, doesn't quite do justice to, to the show so far. I've only watched the first two episodes. It's only um, coming out one episode a week. Based on the name only, I thought it was just a really bad follow-up to Ice Road Truckers or something. Or Roadhouse yeah, with that, Patrick that, Swayze. That, yeah, on Bravo. Um, but no, it's um, it, it's a BBC production, Q Laurie, a number of sort of good um, actors from, from, from other things. Um, I think Damien Lewis's wife uh, is in it as the as at least in the first two episodes as the prime minister and yeah that at the moment is is intriguing. Let's see where where it goes. But um, you know, I, I Hugh Laurie, I um, have a lot of time for, and hmm. just, I'll, I will try everything he does, even the things that don't that don't work out. Um, that sounds been, good. On the subject of BBC, sorry to cut you off, boots. On the subject of BBC productions, was was the Bodyguard big in Australia? Yes, very. That was good. If you haven't seen it yet, Ranch is nodding his, his head mm. and his his, uh, his sassy ponytail that he has this week. Uh, so it must mean <laughs> he doesn't like it. You didn't like yeah, the bodyguard? Yeah. I, I liked it up until the ending. The ending was stupid, but the 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 I actually liked the first four episodes. I thought were good. The it was Rob, Rob Stark Ranch, you know, King of the yeah, North. No, no. It's um, he's he's devilishly good looking and would be a wonderful choice for James Bond, wouldn't he? That guy. Um, he would, hundred percent. Like I, I look, it, it has been a long time since I've seen it now, and so and I can't remember whether I had a bad taste in my mouth because of just the ending boots, or whether it was a little bit earlier than that. Mm. I, I think it, it felt like it was one of those shows that um, maybe was it, it probably had a bit too much fat in the middle of it, and just you know as a result just kind of had a few too many kind of twists and turns that didn't need to or something. Like I, it's it's been a while now, so I can't really be too. too articulate about it but yeah it wasn't it wasn't that that exciting to me but yeah like the 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 Hugh Laurie political thriller thing sounds sounds very cool what was it you had another one boots yeah it's oh uh, yeah and and just the, the last one is one that we've uh just started it's called i think it's the the undoing um which is the uh Hugh Grant Nicole Kidman um HBO drama that's just uh just started we've we've had the first three episodes um uh, and it's a, a mur murder thriller with so far pretty good and interesting performance from from hugh grant and and nicole kidman doing nicole kidman things and just set, set in new york again it's got the the high society element of of, of new york and the and the fashion and the Places which is catnip for Sue's, but the, uh, uh, the so far it's um, proven pretty interesting. I, I suspect there's a big twist that's coming shortly. We'll see where that uh, whether that kind of feels organic or whether it is shoehorned in there as as it 
is the case with a lot of these type shows. But what what service is it on in Oz? Where do you find it? Yeah, in Fox on Foxtel. Right. Now, on the subject of catnip for people's better halves, I sat through uh, the holiday or holidays or whatever it's called. Oh, ouch. Uh, Still, sometimes you have to. You, you, yeah, you, you're, you, you're a good man. Yes, I, I understand. Sometimes that. you have to. You, you make a woman sit through Moonbase Eight. You're going to have to, you know, pay <laughs> something in return. <laughs> Look, the holiday was it was watchable. Like if if you have to find something rom comish, you could do worse. Is is what I'd say. Like chemistry is actually extremely good between the Aussie guy, who I guess is like one of those ex ex home and away dudes, and uh, the female lead. Like excellent chemistry. The script is pretty fucking weak, but they sort of make it work. So, like, I don't know. I'd give it a soft recommend. If you're stuck in that space and you have to find a rom-com, it's, it's not the worst I've seen. It's, it's, in fact, it's one level better than not the worst I've seen. It's, it's acceptable. Hmm. That was a, it was a, real, was a real roller coaster of a review there, Dave. It took us on quite a journey. It was, it was probably more entertaining than the actual film itself. But, yeah, I, I, might, I, might, I might find a way to just, you know, downplay that one in the netflix algorithm or whatever i might just make sure that doesn't come up on the screen i've been watching a show on netflix that has been quite you know widely covered and popular in the last i don't know week and a half or so called the queen's gambit um mm. which is a six or eight part um show with anya taylor joy playing um an orphan girl in like the 50s into 60s who is also like a chess genius um and you know her struggles to become you know uh, the, the the chess grandmaster in in the Cold War environment, um, whilst also battling addiction. Ha! Um, there's a lot going on there, but um, it's pretty good. You know, the production values are just just brilliant. Like it looks like a like a Scorsese movie or something. Like it's just it's the 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 sense of place is really good, and the sense of um sense of time periods, like costumes, production values, um, the sets, all that sort of stuff, really really good. It's a bit it, like it, it's it's good. I think it, it's certainly something that you could watch with um, with your better halves, so to speak. It's like it, it looks very nice. It's it's certainly worth watching. I haven't finished it yet. I'm just about there. If you're into chess, you'd probably get a little bit more out of it. I like chess, but I'm not kind of that into it. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty good, but I, I I probably don't. I couldn't say that I love it like most people seem to be. Is what I would say. Okay. Good tip. We've gone very high brow with our reviews. Do, you, do we need to do a couple of dick jokes or something just to keep Tom and those guys happy? Just to, just to bring him back down. <laughs> for those who for those who can't see, Hugh's showing his dick to the camera. For those who can't see, if it was the video <laughs> podcast, you would know. So he's he's uh, he's trying. I had to turn his video off. Yeah, it's not it's not a very good. Uh, it's a good visual joke, but it doesn't really work that well. <laughs> but thanks anyway, Ranch, for uh, for trying that one on. Pleasure. Um, should, should we get to the most entertaining thing of the week? Oh, yes. Collingwood? So we were meant to have a special guest, right, tonight to, to come on and talk about this. It was such a, a like, so, so context-wise, I think the trade period finished last night and my phone was blowing up from one young Will who was just so dismayed. He sent me so many screen caps of, of, of snarky tweets from Collingwood members um, and interview snippets from this poor prick at Collingwood, Ned Guy, um, who, who's had to implement and then front the media for for this 
pretty shambolic kind of situation that Collingwood have found themselves in. According to them, and Boots, I'll throw to you in a minute. According to them, there's no salary cap dump. They just genuinely thought that they needed to go to the draft and get rid of Trelaw and Stevenson and Phillips and, and the other young guy because they really wanted to get to the draft. And what they've come out with is basically no second, third, or maybe even fourth round picks. They've got one extra first and they're paying Trelaw's salary for the next five years. What the fuck is going on? Oh, 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 and by the way, this, the stuff with Trelaw has been playing out in the media for four or five weeks or something, and it's just been torturous to watch. So can you tell me what's going on? So, look, I, I do want to say we, we do, do still plan to have Will McCall on as a guest on an, Around the Campfire. and and Is this an Around the Campfire now? Do I need to get the sound effects ready? Yes, this is, a, this is an Around the Campfire. We all will right, have right, a separate good. one. I'll, I'll cue it up. the first ever guest. Around the Campfire. Look, the... It, as you said, the poor bastard trying to sell this on the day after. And Hugh sent me the, the clip from um, from the Foxtel interview. And it... You know, the AFL is not professional compared to the other sports that I follow. This was unbelievable. It was really it was like watching one of those Republican press conferences where there was a disconnect between the two realities that people were existing in. Mm-hmm. And the person being surprised that they were being asked these questions and denying the reality that they was, was being conveyed was in, in the context of just going through this US election cycle was just almost too on the nose <laughs> yeah, hilarious it's about football so if I can care um, but the it was I I, I actually when, when Rach first said to me, I actually, has someone doctored this has someone actually <laughs> just is it, is a, a deep fake because who I, I wouldn't know Ned Dye from some freaking male porn actor but the, the, this it was just unbelievable um uh, attempt to justify what had just happened and to, to touch on the Adam Trelaw thing that to me is the funniest thing and, and it's funny not, it's probably the wrong word because what Colin have done here just seems to be completely unethical what's happened they've paid him too much money and they don't want him anymore at that cost that that is what has happened they started off by leaking things to the media a that they don't think he could play well because his wife and new child had taken a basically a three and a half month contract to go and play netball in Queensland. They basically started they started gaslighting him is kind of what happened. Like they just started That's telling exactly him that, 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 that he should really fuck off. Like, you know, like he he's not gonna be able to play well. He should go. Like it's just it's awful. How can you how can you be happy? How can you be happy? I mean, if you could play well with, with us while your wife and young know, child are up in Queensland. Are you some sort of fucking sociopath? We don't understand how you can play You think we're exaggerating, but we are not. We are not exaggerating as to how this was presented in the media. And then, like, the stuff today, being interviewed, when Buckley has denied, because there was this rumour out there that he told Adam Trelaw that the other players don't like you. <laughs> Uh, at the press conference, me being introduced as a bulldog, where he basically says, "Yeah, I didn't want to leave. Let's fucking kick me out." And uh, yeah, that's that's true. That yes. What Buckley said, he told me the other players didn't like me. It's <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Also, just just on that, like the the Ned Ned the Ned guy guy, 
you know, also said that like Stevenson kind of wanted to be traded or something as well. Like at the end of the day, like there's people's lives who are actually affected by this. Like it would have been an incredible, stressful, incredibly stressful time for someone like Trelaw. Like my heart actually goes out to that guy. He's done nothing wrong. He's oh, absolutely. You know, like it, it's pretty, it's pretty awful. And this is all played out publicly for him. Like I remember like it was when the season was still going probably, I don't know, second, third week of the finals or something like that. Like there was an interview that he gave where, you know, he was kind of going, like people were asking him these questions. He's, he was kind of just forced to say, look, I don't really know what all these rumors and things are about. Like I've got a contract, I think. And, you know, like I just, I don't really kind of know what it is, but here I am doing this interview about it. Like it was so strange. And you know what I found strange? The, the, the strangest exchange I found, Ranch, I want your, your thoughts on this one was, when this news happened and the, the quote from Trelaw to this Ned Guy was, he said, quote, unquote, I'm not your friend, Guy. To which Ned Guy <laughs> said, I'm not your guy, buddy. <laughs> and then the other guy said, I'm not your buddy, Guy. And they said it with Canadian <laughs> accents. And I'm just confused. By... <laughs> hey, fuck so, you, buddy. <laughs> I'm not your friend, guy. <laughs> I'm not your I'm sorry, guy, I just, buddy. <laughs> I just had to go there. <laughs> I just, I just had to because anytime the word guy is in there, I think about this Canadian South Park. I'm not your friend, guy. I'm not guy, buddy. Anyway, sorry, sorry, I had to do that. So, what about the other clubs? So, Collingwood is a disaster. Before we jump to the, to, I mean, I think just to, to round out Ranch's point, I think it's quite clear that it's a the salary cap issue is the only explanation because there is no way that people desperately want to tr- to trade in to the top of this draft because no one knows anything. These kids yeah. haven't played for yeah. a year. It is the biggest crapshoot draft ever. There is a really good draft next year or, or allegedly a really good draft next year that, that you would be looking to, um, to try and get into if you, if you were trying to, to accumulate picks. Um, to say that, that with what they traded out, it, it was all about getting, getting assets in this draft and not about reducing salary is just, it makes you look completely disingenuous and mm. yeah, the, the, um, the, the fact that, that the, the return was what, what it was. Um, is- yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, like the, the, just the silliest thing is that if you're saying it's not a salary cap issue, then the only other explanation is that you guys just made a series of incredibly bad deals, like incredibly bad deals, mm. like getting cents on the dollar mm. for every single one of these guys. Like, it's just like it's it's the only other explanation. We we should move on. Poor old Collingwood. Like you know, it's it's a it's. So Collingwood's a disaster. I don't I don't say poor Collingwood in the way that you do ranch. I say screw Collingwood. So it's fine. It's fine to see them struggle. Um, I'm happy with that. You guys are sort of what's happening at Windy Hill. Is it is it okay? Is it bad? Do I dare even ask? Uh, Who wants to go first, Branch? I'll go. I'll go. Now, look. I I think I think you and I are. Are fairly aligned on this like like we we we, we tend to be um uh, a forever misaligned on 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 where blame will lie at Essendon I am more inclined to blame the organization and the club whereas you are more comfortable you know assigning blame to individuals and that's fine you know it's just a difference but outside of that I actually think we're fairly kind of closely aligned on on this like it's obviously a, a massive pity that we've lost Danaher and Saad um in particular um you know, Fantasia, sure, but you know he's he barely played for a long time, and it's probably not not as much of a loss. Uh, but you know, on the basis that those guys are going, and you know, perhaps there's issues that I feel probably still need to be uncovered as to what led to those players wanting to go. But once they've gone, 
actually feel like Essendon's come out of this all right, you know, like to, to come out of it with three picks in the top 10, one of which was our original pick, you know, getting in, um, you know, a young, a young guy from, from the Gold, Gold Coast, my God, uh, Greater Western Sydney, who is like 20 years old, evidently quite good, albeit unproven, um, you know, for the cost of kind of two seconds and getting, you know, two Metapeter from up in Queensland to fill at least the spot that Danaher had, probably nowhere near as well. But um, I feel like we've come out of it pretty well. Yeah, I, I was, we are probably aligned on this. I thought after being put in a bad situation with the uh, talent exiting, for, for whatever reasons they were exiting, um, they kind of did as well as they could have done with the, uh, with what, came back i think clearly we are not one player away from uh, from <laughs> competing now that the now that the forward line needs to be completely restructured and frankly the the what was sort of a, a very uh, solid core defense is now needs to also be restructured and i hope they do find three players with these with these um high picks that can be in, in two or three years significant contributors and you know that 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 will be the the goal, and then you know we'll be able to in 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 twelve months from now the salary cap situation will be extremely favourable, and in fact twenty four months from now will be very very favourable, assuming that the AFL um, salary cap situation resolves itself. But you know that that then gives you a chance to if these three draft picks pan out to to actually be a player for getting in players on significant contracts so we'll we'll see what happens in that uh, in that regard hmm. yeah no i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not upset at all actually so interesting week i mean obviously good good week for geelong they seem to do very well mm, yeah it's i can see like i'm i'm in favor of, of player movement and player empowerment so I, I have no issue at all with trade week i find the week itself to be really tedious and the way it plays out i can see what they're going for i can see they want to turn it into something that's a positive and a, and a source of intrigue and something that people are excited about, like in the States, but I don't think the administrators or the fans are kind of in in the right space for that. People just get confused and weird amateur hour shit seems to happen and the players who move, well, often nothing happens because they're all just grossly unrealistic about what they want. Yeah, look, it's it's there's a there's a much longer conversation to be had about this and, and Boots and I, you've, you'll have a really insightful view, but, you know, the, the thing that's always bugged me and I know it bugs Sam a lot too is is that there's this weird period of time where players are not, you know, they've been in the system, but they're not free agents yet and they, they're coming out of contract. And so, like, you know, they're a player's ability to, to be like, well, I would like to be traded to Club X, please, not actually Club X, to, to, to that, that, that specific team. <laughs> um, I, I would like to be traded to that specific team, please. That, like, from a... That, that frustrates the fucking shit out of me for some reason i can't explain why it annoys me as much as it does like that 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 dynamic just seems to really you know kind of hamstring clubs and organizations getting like the most value for an asset that still has value that they you know will no longer have sorry and and by the way if like so much worse when someone is actually still under contract which you know we, we which we're seeing seemingly more and more of in the afl at the moment like that absolutely drives me bonkers and you know in fairness to the dogs this week i think they did absolutely the right thing and said well fine but you know you guys need to you guys need to 
pony up a lot if we're going to get rid of Josh Dunkley because he's got a two-year contract with us and otherwise, fuck off. Um, we, we probably should talk a little bit more about Geelong though because we've got a couple of you know big Geelong supporters who will probably listen to this. And holy shit, is the pressure on for them to win the flag this year. Oh, my God. Like, if yes, they don't Cameron, win... And you've got Isaac Smith, who's a bit less exciting. Who cares, really? And, but, yeah, Cameron. And Higgins. Right? And Higgins. On Higgins, Sean. Yeah, Sean Higgins. The guy from Magnum PI. Yep. And, oh, I mean, and the question is, though, does, does Gary Ablett Jr. say, actually, I want to play again now? And then, and really just, just ramp it up. Um, is there a spot in the team for him? Uh, oh, look, a rotation player in the forward line. I think you'll find that they actually have, I think the teams that do well next year will be the ones that have consistency from this year. And notwithstanding that they've got these players coming in, they still do have the bulk of the, the key players, uh, Ablett notwithstanding, coming back. And I think clearly mm. they'll, be, uh, they'll be in the mix. But as Ranch points out, it's just going to be an enormous amount of pressure uh, on, on Chris Scott, who already uh, does divide some within the fan base on his coaching ability. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's not like, yeah, I wouldn't describe Geelong as being a flaky team that I would have really concerns about kind of handling the, the pressure, though, to be honest. I mean, Selwood and Dangerfield and those guys, they're pretty, they're pretty, pretty kind of solid performers. Like, like they're not, they're, they're not they're that pros, flaky yeah. or, or flaky. Yeah, you know, they're I'm pros. not too concerned about them kind of dealing with. Yeah. The pressure, but you know, I've I've got nothing against Geelong. I can't see myself in any scenario, unless perhaps Gary Ablett plays again. I can't imagine myself under any circumstances actively cheering for Geelong to win. You know, because there's no fun in that. Well, Richmond Geelong Grand Final. Go go Tigers. You know, like okay. like oh, I, I, no. Yes. Yes, he used to live in Richmond. He lived in Richmond, Burnley Street. Shane Edwards, four times premiership player. Trent Cotchin, four times premiership. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know, I know. Look, I mean, like that's it's it's probably the, it's probably the like if, if 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 to me Geelong winning with this team that that they've built is is the most boring outcome. Richmond winning is the second most boring. Oh no, fucking the West Coast. It's certainly the second most boring. But Richmond's the third most boring. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's nothing against those teams, but it's just like you know when when any team goes out and and spends so big and puts it all on the table. Of course, look, I barrack for Essendon. My team is fucking shit, and it has been for so long. My 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 enjoyment from football comes from Shadenfooter now. Like it's the it's the it's all I've got. Well, it's it's. I guess it's sad when that's all you've got, but it's uh, the honesty is good. I'm a sad, pathetic human. That's all. Well, you got a great hairstyle this week for those who can't see it, which I guess is everybody. Ranch, can I can I share a photo of it? I, I did take a photo sure. surreptitiously before. Ranch has got like a, a, a top ponytail, a little bit like the main boss of Mortal Kombat, the guy with four arms uh, used to have Goro. Remember Goro? That's that's the style that you got. I was more of a street fighter guy. So was I, but Mortal Kombat, it, it, it certainly did have some momentum there. It came in, came in hot, the amount of blood, the amount of gore. It was, uh, mm. People used to be crowded. It used to be in like a dark corner of the arcade and people used to crowd around. Oh my God, look at this. So much, so much blood and you know, people getting their heads ripped off. On that, there's a, um, there's a, a show on, on Netflix that I, I, I didn't watch all of, but it's called, um, I don't know, there's maybe Game Changers or something. Maybe like, like, like there's a, it, it's a, it's a series and it's all about kind of video game um uh, I guess kind of evolution and there's one about kind of fighting games and so I watched it because Street Fighter 2 was the game that I like to play and of course there's a big segment there on Mortal Kombat you, you know how the animation in that it was it looked far more realistic than anything yes, else yeah. like 
they, they actually had actors doing all the stuff and they kind of captured it and then and then turned like you know actually used the images of those actors to create um the characters in the game isn't that amazing given given you know it would have been like 1991 or something yeah yeah it would have been about then pretty it was, extraordinary it was, it was definitely sort of photorealistic compared to yeah. other games, which were cartoonish, even though it was clearly you no know, in the air photorealistic, but it felt that way. And the physics of it was weird. Like the characters were much more heavy instead of mm. floating around. They really kind of pounded around the screen. Mm. Um, they, they, I mean, it's the same, same studio that made NBA jam. They had just this golden period of tapping into a couple of ideas that, that captured people's imaginations. And um, they had a couple, with that one with NBA jam, they really had a couple of, a couple of good ones. That's all for the Dick and Ham show this week. We'll be back next week or the week after or whenever it is we actually get another show out. And we thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to the ranch. Thanks to the camp. Bye-bye. Thank you, David. <laughs>